Uh, Chachanidze. Yep. Is Chachanidze. That... Yep. Boom. Right. Nailed it. Good. First time. Right. Good. I think you should okay. just take That's that clip of you saying it just there. Add it in. What is up, guys? This is Mark Stedman here, and you're listening to the List Envy podcast. Um, I, I, I thought I'd go for a YouTuber-style introduction uh, this week because uh, my guest is George Chechenidze, who is a uh, technology YouTuber. Um, he has the Snappy Tech show, which you'll find on YouTube, and, of course, links are in the show notes. Um, and uh, he is a massive Doctor Who fan. And so this week, uh, we we sat down and we uh, collaborated on a top five list of our top five um, 2005 five reboot era Doctor Who episode. So everything from 2005 onwards uh, is fair game for this. Um, this was a, a great chat and um, a, a really enjoyable one. So uh, in lieu of a Christmas special or New Year's special, because I don't think we're getting one this year, which is a very great shame. Um, this is this is myself and uh, and George getting all Doctor Who-y. Now, I started uh, by uh, asking George who his favourite incarnation of the Doctor was uh, post-2005. So basically what what person played uh, him slash her slash them best. And that is where we begin. So part of me wants to say David Tennant, because as I feel like as a whole, that was prime Doctor Who, in, in my personal opinion. And where I was as a person and where Doctor Who was as a show was really in sync. However, Peter Cabal... Peter Capaldi, I feel, was the single best doctor from like a pure acting standpoint. Ooh. So that's that, that's where I sit currently. Yeah, that is that's tricky. I think I think he was an excellent doctor, but I don't know if he was gifted with the best stories. Yeah, I feel like that's my like the writing overall, it was it definitely had its bumps. Like it had a couple of great episodes, but it had a couple of terrible episodes. Um I, I'd say the, the writing on Peter Capaldi's era was probably below average. Apart from that one episode, which was based on a, an idea stolen from Douglas Adams. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of it was <laughs> below average. Yeah. That was cool. um, yeah, yeah. And and so seeing Peter Capaldi still being able to make it enjoyable and, and so great to watch. And his monologues to camera were always great. And the way he delivered speeches was always incredible. M- made me really appreciate him as an actor as well as as the doctor i think him tenant and eccleston so i'm basically just saying not matt smith <laughs> um were very good at those at those speeches um and, and and eccleston for me the first time i'd sort of seen him deliver one of those um was was quite was quite something because he he had a commanding presence but eccleston had this whole thing about switching character very very quickly from not necessarily dark because that that's the thing about like tenant to a degree but really capaldi like he could go dark yeah um and he but he didn't have the switch on the the cuteness in the way that um that some of the others did but yeah as as a, as a sort of final era before we move into i think um a much more not not just in terms of who the new doctor is but who the new showrunner is like a a whole new future uh, for doctor who uh, and a new tone i think um it was you know it was probably probably outstayed its welcome just a little bit but again uh, i've got something from from that that pre um Whitaker season that or series that uh, that i wanted to pull through um sorry just really quickly mark are you telling me that the emoji bots was a step too far is that what you're saying <laughs> i mean i mean i mean it's no, it's no dinosaurs on a spaceship i'll give you that <laughs> 
But I do love the right. The the uh, I don't love dinosaurs on a spaceship except for two things. It has Mitchell and Webb in it, and it's written by one of my favourite TV writers, um, which is Toby Whithouse. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, no, the emoji bot. Mm, mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a um, because I feel like that that episode overall wasn't too bad. But no, no, it wasn't. The, the emoji bot itself was just so hilariously terrible that I couldn't help but like ridicule it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like anything that is to do with uh, sort of corrupting human emotions uh, or, or our understanding of human emotions, like those kind of things are, are always fun to play with uh, and can get quite nice and creepy. Um, yeah. So who's who's your who would be your your ideal companion? Uh, well, not ideal as it like, OK, who is your favorite companion? In the I show? feel like that's the question. I feel like my favorite companion, it has to be someone who really sort of works off the doctor quite well um and R rose tyler kind of did it um R rose tyler was the first kind of doctor who companion also who wasn't just a companion they were actually their own character and yes had had their own sort of drive and their own storyline but wasn't just exists for the pretense of like having some the doctor explain everything to someone absolutely um Clara started off okay, I feel like, but then just became like a caretaker. I f there's, there's a there's a line in one of the Peter Capaldi episodes where um where the doctor has to introduce Clara to someone and and he kind of stutters and isn't quite sure what to say. And Clara goes, Oh, I'm his carer. And the doctor just goes, Oh yeah, she cares, so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and it goes kind of from that to sort of like in the end, the reason she dies is kind of, it's all her own fault. She kind of tries to veto the doctor and is like, I know better than him, it's fine. Um, and so she she started off with so much potential and then got really annoying. Uh, <laughs> but the exact opposite of that is Martha. Martha Jones, mm -hmm. I really loved. I feel like she's an extremely underrated companion as well. With you 100%. Uh, she... She literally saved the world by herself. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. Um, she walked the earth. <laughs> yes, that's that's no mean achievement at the best of times. Yeah, she was she was a uh, like um, an interesting character, and they they got to play uh, do do interesting things with her in terms of historical context stuff um, because you got to see what you know how people might react when uh, when when a black woman is walking through uh, a world that is is sort of you know white and old um i can't remember if it was a pompeii episode or the um she was i think she was in the vincent and the doctor which is a lovely episode uh and you know th those those things come in uh, every now and again but she was she was a great character and she yeah she had she had a good family backstory my least favorite because I, I, i'm not entirely sure who my favorite is but she's up there my least favorite was always catherine tate <gasps> however her family background story with um with you, with with your man, who whose name I will remember in a minute. Um, oh, okay. Yes, I was um, trying to yeah, remember I, the actor's name. Um, that won't come to me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I'm old. It's fine. Biggins, not not Biggins. Anyway, it's fine. I'll get there in a bit. But anyway, that the the, the sort of family story um, I liked, but I I could never take to to her at all as a as a companion. Ah, interesting. It sounds like yeah. It sounds like you've got you've got uh, dissent on that. Yeah, I think for for me. I feel like she's she's up there for like she had a she was a very different companion. Yeah. And even f you could see that even from her introduction mm. of like she knew she was traveling the world and and having a great time, but she would never let the doctor sort of 
dictate her own opinions. Mm-hmm. She'd always have something, some kind of input. There was some great comedy in there um, at, at times, and I feel like seeing her as a as an actor going from that sort of classic comedy like the Catherine Tate show and stuff like that to doing a genuinely serious role was for me also quite an interesting transition. Yes. Um, and I think that sort of added to it. Um, and I sort of give her extra credit for that because seeing people able to jump between different genres is always good to see. Absolutely. And you saw it in, um, you see in the Catherine Tate show that she's a very good actor. Mm. Um, I didn't I just didn't like the character. Um it was Bernard Cribbins was the was the granddad that I was trying to remember by the way. Uh is the actor. Um and I like that story I liked but yeah I I didn't like the character but it was good that we we then didn't have any question of um sort of romantic uh entanglement because you had Freema Adjaman who who had to say listen you know I don't want to be your your rebound uh, after Rose um and then you got a sort of and I, I I don't mean mean this to sound mean but a kind of a palate cleanser in that there was just she was she had no interest in in that sense yeah. um and it, it just yeah it, it was never it was never a thing and then we kind of got back into it again uh, but at least the nice thing is with Amy Pond we had lots and lots of Rory which you know broke things up a bit yeah except he kept dying <laughs> he did keep dying yep and then waiting and then yeah and we'll yeah waiting again. is a thing yeah and then waiting and then amy has to wait for like 10 years and is really pissed off it was Mm -hmm. more than 10 years yeah yeah. but you know no absolutely yeah he waited yeah i think that happens twice the waiting because he waited as a centurion and then there was another moment where i can't remember what what the scene is now but she anyway no we'll 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 talk (laughs) about that another time let us let us get on then with um so we are picking our our top um 2000s era uh doctor who episodes new Uh, new who new who um, what is your number one top best pick ever? Now, I hate to be that guy, but I actually just have a bullet point list of actually 12 episodes. That's good, that's good. Um, and I have like this mental hierarchy. Um, and the reason I went for 12 is because I feel like I, I actually went for 13 because Doctor Who puns. Um, but, sure. But the reason um, I, I have them in just a list is because I'm also conscious that there may be a lot of overlap. Um, mm. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And also, I'm not sure if two parters count as two episodes or one. I've put them on my list as one. Uh, likewise. Um, so I feel like my number one, p- purely, it, it's entirely from like an acting standpoint more so than anything else. Mm. It just has to be hellbent. It's not even the two parter. It's just hellbent specifically. That one episode, which is effectively an hour of Peter Capaldi monologuing. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just amazing acting, um, and the entire thing is incredibly written, well written. And there's this recurring theme as I'm looking through this list right now, where every single one of these episodes is either almost exclusively the Doctor or not the Doctor at all. Mm. And Hellbent was a great example of how you can get a very good Doctor, especially out of Peter Capaldi. Do you want to give us a, a quick a quick plot summary to uh, to help? Um... 
uh, refresh our minds. Yes, of course. So Hellbent. Um, so what has just happened? And I feel like it it's, it exists in this weird state where you can't actually watch it on its own. Uh, it's part of a two-parter, but the episode before it is very important. So in the episode previously, Clara, the companion we mentioned earlier, is the one who's a bit overly zealous and wants to be the doctor, but is distinctly human, um, dies right at the end of the episode. And for a split second, we live in this world where a companion has actually died. And we haven't we haven't yardy yarded our way into the, <laughs> the companion is actually just living in the past. Um the companion is actually properly dead. The doctor is in mourning and he's in his confession dial. The And the idea is, we, we find this out at the end of the episode, but he's effectively in a prison where he's dying over and over until he basically confesses uh, the, the identity of what's known as the hybrid, this entity that has existed for the whole season as the overarching story arc. That is, um, that's, that's a, that's a, a good description um and uh, it was it's not the episode that i i thought it was so i'm glad i'm glad you did that because yeah this was um this one is an, an astonishing um few minutes of tv um that that sort of it was almost shakespearean almost sort of hamlet-esque um in terms of the the kind of monologue he was doing and you know i think the, the closed set feel um or the closed set nature of it added to that feel of uh, someone delivering a sort of a, a Shakespearean monologue. And it was, um, yeah, a, a, a marvellous, marvellous episode. Good choice. And nowhere near my list. And then we did Heaven Sent and it ruined the whole thing. So that's, that's that. Nah. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure I'm confident in my ordering. So I'm just going to go from top to bottom. Yeah. My first one is Father's Day. Ooh. That's not on Which my is, list. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I reckon I, I predict we'll have one episode that overlaps. I think that's what will happen here. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, this is um, it was in the 2005 era. So it was Eccleston and, and Billy Piper um, has a, a, a great line. Um, the past is another country. Um, 1987 is just the Isle of Wight. Uh, and it's it's when. Uh, so the the story of Rose is that her dad died and she lives with her mum. Her dad died in in 1987 and uh, she he, he was hit by a car and she uh, Rose wants to go back and hold his hand so that there's someone there to comfort him um, before the ambulance arrives. And what ends up happening is she pushes him out of the way and this creates uh, a whole a whole timey wimey problem, um, a wound in time which is then. Um, sort of uh, cauterized by uh, these things called the Reapers, which are these big CGI um, raptor-looking things. Everyone escapes into a church, which is the oldest thing in the world, so that um, people can't... Uh, so that the Reapers can't get in. Um, and then uh, the dad eventually, uh, once everything's sort of laid out, he decides to... Um, he sees the, the loop of the car that's just going round and round and round that was meant to hit him, and he runs in front of it, and... Um, and everything is fine again. Uh, and it's it's the first one where there's a real rift between the Doctor and the Companion. Um, they actually go their separate ways briefly. And, um, you know, I think I think she gives him the key back and, and all, all, all sorts of stuff happen. Uh, and she nearly touches her own baby form and creates a paradox. And uh, it was, I like timey-wimey things. And... Um, I, having rewatched this, the CGI is surprisingly not terrible for something that is fourteen years old. Um, and I, I really, I really enjoyed this episode as it was quite, um, quite scary. What, what I love about that episode 
is it really Doctor Who has always been a pretty camp show, and they do this amazing job of being like, "Oh yes, uh, we're in a church because it's really old, and therefore they can't get in." Like their reasoning has always extremely dodgy, and they just leaned into it in this one. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, nothing is ever really explained, but that—that's why we love it. Yeah, and it was a relatively small event. Uh, and and it, and it nearly tore the entire world apart. Whereas uh, he will go through hither and yon, just plucking people and saving them, and that's not a problem. And yeah, it's 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 weird how they make those choices. I feel like Doctor Who has a different continuity every single episode. Like it's <laughs> it's, like, it's a bit like Black Mirror. I don't think they all actually exist simultaneously. We're actually just hopping universe to universe, and they're all, it's an anthology yeah, show. It's all just a different Doctor and companion. I love it. Uh, I love it. Um, what's your number two? Um, so we went extremely Doctor Heavy with Hellbent. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we have to go pretty Doctor Light with Blink. Um, Aha! Blink is an amazing episode. Um, and many argue that it's the best episode of Doctor Who, which yes, they do. is hilarious because it doesn't contain the Doctor for most of it. So basically what happens is we get an introduction of a new monster uh, called the Weeping Angels, who this this will be a recurring theme now that I think about it. Started off really great, but are subsequently ruined in later episodes. Um, so the Weeping Angels are from before the existence of the universe um, and before time itself, if I recall correctly. Um, basically what they do is when they touch you, they zap you back to the past, which in itself isn't terrible, um, but basically they feed off the energy of the life you would have led if you stayed in this, as I'm explaining this, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> no, but the, yeah, no, having yes, no, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm, it, and it doesn't make any sense because they still keep living a life. I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but I know it's factually accurate. No, you're not at all. Yeah, absolutely, it's bonkers. And basically what happens is the Doctor and I believe Martha was the companion get zapped into the past and they're separated from Metardis. Um, so it follows a character called Sa Sally Sparrow who basically has to figure all of this out and save the Doctor. <laughs> it's great. And I think what's great about it is um, there's a, a James Bond book that, that does this, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. Um, James Bond only turns up in like the last couple of chapters, uh, if, if memory serves. And the whole book is a memoir about this this woman and she's recounting her life if she's um, lying in a hotel bed. And I really like how this works. And there was another episode um, which actually aired directly after one of my favourites that's on my list. Uh, and it had uh, Peter Kay in it. And it was a very odd episode, not a very good one. I don't think, um, but it was. An I, I put that in my list as a joke. <laughs> I have I have love and monsters on my go. list just in case um, we want to. Go yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, like, but it was. I think it was another one um, where where it was sort of the the fact is you you see clips of the doctor, but we don't actually sort of meet him properly uh, until halfway through the episode, and we don't see him very much. And it is a really, really, really good episode, and it's also my number two. Wow, look at us go. I know. That was the one on which I thought we'd have an overlap because it is uh it is so widely believed to be to be such a great episode. Um and it was it ramped up the tension so well and anyone who's a kid can relate. I mean I've got um I've got a foster sister and she was terrified. Um she got given a doll at one point, like an old an old doll, and she was rightly terrified of it because she kept imagining that it was gonna come and, you know, zap her back in time. Two great things about Blink. Firstly, 
we don't see the weeping angels move during the entire episode. We are there's this theory that we're in the episode because there are moments when none of the characters are looking at the weeping angels but we are through the camera so the weeping angels are aware of our presence which is mildly terrifying um and secondly uh you you can set like a windows background um in in one of the matt swift episodes with the weeping angels that there's like a clip of them on cctv and they like go from facing away from the corner to like right in the face of the cctv um and to creep people out i'd set it as a desktop background and have it set to change after a random amount of time oh no <laughs> so so you made me doing something and the you know the weeping angels face in the corner and they tab out of whatever they're doing and all of a sudden it's like right in their face oh that's, that's brilliant i love that um <laughs> I might, there's a thing in, in, in Max now um, called Live Wallpaper where you can have the um, the image change every hour um, to sh- and it, it's meant to show like a progression of a sunrise or whatever uh, and you could absolutely do that. That's a great idea. Um, this episode also had the introduction of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Oh, yes. First time that comes in. Amazing. Um, and, uh, and also, um, uh, for, for comedy fans, it's... Uh, uh, the the one I think the one episode in which Ray Peacock appears, who is a uh, a comedian of some note. Yes. Um, good episode. Great episode. All right. So that's that's your number two. Mine and and mine. Uh, my number three then is uh, it's a two parter. And oh no, it's not actually. No, it's not. Sorry. Uh, no, my next one is. Uh, it's just this sounds exactly like it would be a two-parter because of the name. It would make sense in a minute. No, this one is an episode of Doctor Who that made me cry. Okay. Um, and it is from April 2010. It's a Matt Smith era, um, Smith and Gillen, and it is the Beast Below. Oh. Uh. So. Yes. Yep. Yep. So kind of, kind of steampunky, uh, you know, in, in, in its, in its style. And I was, I was kind of, I was down for that. Um, and it's the first proper adventure that Amy Pond goes on after sort of re-meeting the doctor after, after he, he emerges, um, as the, the star man or whatever he, she, she used to call him. Um, and it, it's, it's set on Starship UK, which is a massive ship, um, Except for Scotland. Uh, Scotland's not part of it because they wanted their own ship. Um, prescient of things to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it, it's it's basically a, a sort of police state. You've got these weird cloaked, uh, robed figures. Um, one of them uh, knocks Amy out uh, and takes her to a voting booth where she learns about uh, the, basically the fact, the conceit of the episode is that in order to um, hurtle the UK away from Earth, which is um, undergoing massive solar flares and everybody's burning up, um, they hitch a ride uh, on the back of a giant space whale. And um, the thing about it is, so in order to make it move, they they keep torturing the whale and then they feed it people that they don't like. Um, So they feed it people who who want to protest that they're doing this and they feed it kids, but the whale won't eat the kids. Um, and what the thing, the thing, the thing of it is, George, um, is the thing that made me cry is they discover that if they stop torturing the whale, he's still going to take them to safety because they didn't find this whale. They didn't happen upon him. He came to rescue the people of Earth, and more specifically the children. And he is the last of his kind, and he's alone, and he's been tortured, and the only thing that it's done is made him kind. And he then is willing to, and he always was, 
he or she was always willing to carry this city on its back and it did so because it didn't want to see the children cry and my word i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it i'm trying to remember what the exact quote was um i feel like it was um it was something like he's very kind and the very last of his kind um yes that was one of them um yes that that was one of them something to that effect and um and you've also got all that pain and misery and loneliness and it just made it kind. Yeah, it was a very emotional episode. And it was, um, I think what I really found shocking is the fact that the Doctor didn't consider, or no one considered that to be an option. Because mm-hmm. this space whale, to- oh, that's, uh, I have to try to not laugh at the phrase space whale. Mm-hmm. Um, but this space whale turns up and their first, in- their first instinct isn't, oh, maybe it's here to help us on the good of its own nature they go okay let's build a ship around it and then torture it so that it can't not help us yeah and and just whip it to keep it moving yeah but in intolerable pain because you one of the the, one of the things of the episode is um is you hear it screaming and it's constantly screaming it's constantly in pain and that's awful um and and yeah it ties in it ties in with the doctor and and his loneliness and um it's one of those where we really start to to understand that amy's going to be a a real force in this in this arc because she changes his course completely and says no i'm not going to let you do this because there's another option and he was hell bent on basically giving the whale massive brain damage yeah Stunning. Well, very happily, uh, let's move on to what your number three is. So my number three, uh, so we went, what did we go? We went Dr. Heavy, Dr. Light. Let's go Dr. Heavy again. Mm. Um, I really enjoy uh, the acting of this, as well as the episode in general. Um, And I feel like I kind of want to lay out the plot before I say the name, because the name is just hilarious and doesn't actually make sense. Um, Well, well, it does in the context of the episode, but it doesn't otherwise. Um, So basically, the Doctor and Donna are on vacation. They're like, let's go on a holiday. So Donna's in a spa, and the the episode literally starts with David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor, calling Donna and saying, are you sure you don't want to come on this drive, basically? Um, She says no, so it's just the Doctor. They're they're on this drive, the car breaks down, and it turns out there's an alien outside that wants to kill them. Now, I'm intentionally not doing this episode justice whilst describing it, because I feel like as we peel the layers back, we'll, we'll discover just what made it so great. Um, and so this entire episode, therefore, is set within the confines of this one vehicle, um, because they're on a planet called Midnight, which is the name of the episode. Um, and it's made entirely of diamonds. <laughs> Again... <laughs> Getting very ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And because it's a planet made of diamonds, they can't go outside. I can't forget. I can't remember the exact reasoning. It was like, if they go outside, they'll burn up because of the diamond light or something. something. <laughs> yada, sure. yada. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing can survive on the planet because of this, apart from the one thing trying to kill them. Um, <laughs> and so basically... The acting in this episode is absolutely stunning. What the, what the monster basically does is it it kind of starts knocking on the outside of this vehicle and everyone's like, oh my God, there can't be anything out there. And it singles out the person who's kind of most afraid in the vehicle. And it effectively takes control of them, is what it does. And 
it just starts mimicking the people. And initially you're like, oh, that's a bit weird, but nothing too scary. And as people in the room talk, it just repeats whatever people are saying. Um, and initially it starts as like, the doctor will say a sentence and then there's like a couple of seconds pause and then the alien will repeat said sentence. But it gets to the point where initially they're doing it in complete sync and then the doctor loses his voice in the sense that the alien says what it wants and the doctor starts repeating the alien as opposed to the other way around. I love that. The, the episode is a whole... It's just... It, it shows what Doctor Who can do even on a shoestring budget because these these yes. episodes exist solely because they've spent money on other episodes. Yeah, yeah. So they absolutely. were like, how do we make a really cheap episode? There's no alien, there's no CGI, and it's all in one room. Perfect. <laughs> the um the goodies used to say uh that um you know, this seventies um comedy uh group, um I think all three of which are still alive, uh they used to say that those were often or I think Graham Garden used to say that those were his favourite episodes because they'd they'd get to like most of the way through the series and realise they've spent all of their budget. Um and so they've just got to do one in the the house. Um and yeah, like a, a sort of a whether you want to call it a bottle episode or whatever, those kind of things are often great. I mean, Spooks did a, a brilliant one of those, um, where it was it was a it ended up being a drill, but it absolutely didn't feel like it. And they don't go anywhere other than uh, the HQ and and those yeah, there's tension and there's all sorts of things that that really make them really fun episodes. Yeah, and it's 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 the quality of the acting in that episode that completely sells it. Um... David David Tennant, as well as everyone else, the, the guy who plays Merlin is in there, but I can't remember his name. Uh, oh yeah, and, sure. And it's lad. also one of those things where, actually, on quick side note, mm. Doctor Who in general, I hadn't realised how many people I'm aware of have been on Doctor Who. In like, oh, oh yeah, I, I just go through and like, wait, I know that's Spider Man, that's Andrew Garfield, mm. or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. There's a late night, uh, five days a week late night talk show host that that was in in, uh, two different in episodes. this silly show. Yeah, I mean Simon Pegg was in second series. Uh, he was. Um, he would have been. I think it was. Uh, might even have been. I the think first. it was the first. I think it was a Chris Eccleston episode. Uh, yeah, like they. Yeah, they they really had him. Um, they really did. All right, that's a that's a good pick. Um, okay, so my number four is a two parter. Okay. And um, it is. I'll I'll tell you off the bat and see if you. Well, no, you know what? I'm not going to tell you the second episode just in case you don't remember. Okay. What the first one is. Um. So the the first episode uh, episode is called the Impossible Planet. Oh yes, I only have the second part of that anywhere on my list. But I'm. But I think that's more of a forgetting the first one existed as opposed to an intentional. <laughs> uh. Okay. Well, this is um, series two. Um, so it's it's Tennant and uh, and Piper um, and uh, 2006. So uh, they uh, they turn up on a base. Uh, it's a sanctuary base. Uh, they find a sign on the wall saying, uh, or some writing on the wall saying, "Welcome to Hell." Underneath that is a bunch of stuff that the TARDIS can't decipher because it's older than time itself. Effectively, um, they then meet the Ood in what is kind of a cheap crappy trick um i love the ood but the way they were introduced is a little bit of uh, uh, um, uh a, a, a dirty trick in that um there's there's a, a malfunction with their voice synthesizer machine things which are these glowing orbs uh that they held in front of their meat faces uh and they 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 keep saying 
um, we must feed, we must feed, we must feed, and then credits, and then we get into it, and then they they tap the thing, and it's like, oh no, sorry, we must feed you, and it's like, oh, that's a bit cheap, but the Ood are amazing. It's such a great concept, and I don't know about you, I love uh, you. Sometimes get it, you get it a bit in um, in Doctor Who, like really weird, um, esoteric, and almost like prosaic rules. Yeah. In things like I like when they they really go into a bit of sort of arcane and not that interesting stuff. Like there is a measurement for telepathy or for uh, empathy uh, that the Ood have called basic, yeah. and it's a it's a it's a system where they they sort of usually operate on basic five and they they shoot up to basic thirteen and all the way to basic one hundred. And just the fact that I like I just like that attention to detail. I don't know what it means, but. There's this, they, they've got a measuring system and that's what they all use. And it's just kind of said, and I like, I really like stuff like that. Um, and the, the, the two-parter all the way through, especially the first one, it's very, he- fairly heavily peppered in uh, until it's like right in your face that they're basically in hell and they're going to meet the devil. Whoop, whoop. Um and there's like you know there's six six sixes all over the place. There's some brilliant sort of almost biblical sounding lines like the the Ood get to say all these creepy lines like the beast and his uh, armies shall rise from the pit to make war against God. Oh. Um and there's weird writing on a guy's face. He gets possessed by the devil and then he blows someone out of a uh, not out of an airlock, but he, he he causes a whole breach and someone flies out of the ship and oh uh, the doctor uh, sorry the, the Ood become the legion of the beast. Um, the doctor sails down um, down a pit into hell, into actual hell. Um, there's crawling through air ducts, and even an, uh, an, an, like a reference acknowledged point. Like someone actually says, "I appreciate the reference," because Rose says, "Oh, it's ventilation shafts." Like they know they're making Die Hard, and they reference it. Like the whole thing is great. Um, I probably could have done without the massive CGI beast because I think it's much more interesting and much creepier if they had a disembodied voice that was doing all this weird stuff. But they did a thing where they separated the voice and the beast. So the beast is trapped, but the the, the spirit of, of Satan, Satan in a kid's show is uh is now in the body of this of this guy who's who's um on a rocket heading back to Earth. Brilliant. At the end of this two-parter, we have David Tennant as the Doctor facing off against the body of Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, he has to break a vase. Like, that's that's the entire premise of this thing. He's like, if if you break this vase, then the Satan dies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to... I am just going to... One point is I'm not going to let this episode pass without telling you it is Vars. I mean, it's definitely Vars. I'm sorry, George. I'm sorry, I've got to be that guy, but it is no, Vars. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> I, I but no, point it. taken. I, I heard myself say it, and <laughs> I have to commit. I can't just. <laughs> yeah, like, no, that's switch. fair enough. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, like it is. Yeah, it's it's um it's a, bit, a weird a weird sort of MacGuffin. Uh, yeah, the second episode is called the Satan Pip, so that kind of gives a game away. Yeah, and it's it's as as he goes to destroy them, uh, his his line. It's just saying about. It's something about the way, I think it's the way he delivers it. As he goes to destroy mm-hmm. the second of the two, he just goes, 
go to hell and just shatters it on the ground. Uh, I think having having rewatched that, he does say something, but it's not that. Is the it only not? reason I know, no, it's it's um, it's uh, Rose who says go to hell when oh, she shoots because I I literally watched it today as as research. Um, when she shoots a hole uh, through the the windscreen of the rocket, yeah, <laughs> as they're flying out, it, uh, she she unbuckles uh, Toby, the guy who's possessed, unbuckles his seat, uh, safety belt takes a gun shoots it uh, shoots a hole through the thing and then says go to hell and then he whips out the space the spaceship i can't remember what he says but yeah she she gets that line uh, i i love it either way it's still the best line in the yeah. show oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's brilliant yeah and i think something about this episode which may fly under the radar is it first aired on the 6th of june 2006 ah it's lovely right <laughs> oh i love it <laughs> i just like the whole thing i just and they 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 really they don't show away from it and they keep just like keep putting in these little things and like they no they're totally going to meet the devil you can decide because there's a nice thing where he's like all right i'm seeing this body and you say you're the devil uh, and you might be you might be this awful evil being and you've obviously been trapped here but i'm not going to accept that you're the actual devil and so we get to do that as well we get to decide whether he's just a demon he's just an alien uh baddie or if, is he actually the embodiment of evil it's great it's an amazing two-parter Ah, oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Right, uh, what is your number four? Number four. This is where it gets difficult because mm. I have so many more items still on my list, and I want to talk about <laughs> all of them. Well, we'll do honourable mentions, definitely. Yes, yeah. So um, I also made sure to have at least one episode from each Doctor. Um, oh, lovely! Just as like a this is my favourite episode from each Doctor. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, Let's let's. I'm gonna go over two parter as well. I think mm-hmm. um, l- less. I mean, the, the two parter itself was really good, and I, I want to apologise because it's one with Donna Noble, uh, okay. and I know how much you don't like Donna Noble. Sorry, right. um, but it's it's the episode itself, and then again, Doctor Who doing this thing of like introducing this great concept and then dragging it out a bit too long. <laughs> um, so let, so if we start with the first of the two parts, we have Silence in the Library. Aha! Um, which is, I, again, Doctor Who being Doctor Who, this is set on a planet that is exclusively a library. Like, the entire planet is a library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very Who. It's very BBC. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically what happens is the Doctor and Donna turn up, uh, and there's no one around at all. It's all a bit confusing. They got a distress signal. Uh, they walk up to a computer. The computer says that there are zero humanoid life forms or whatever they specified as a thing. And then they extend the range to all life forms. And it says there's like a billion, billion, and then it lost count or whatever. Um, and so it's just an empty library and they're a bit confused. There's then this like search party. or It's like a I think they were tourists. I think they were supposed to be tourists. So it's like tourism company rocks up. Um, and they're basically, oh no, they're archaeologists. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, of course, because River Song is a space archaeologist. Yep. Um, and so they they basically rock up trying to figure out what the hell happened on this planet. Um, the Doctor and Donna get into some hijinks along with them. And they're chased by one of my favourite aliens, the Vashta Narada, mm-hmm. which are piranhas in the air and who exists almost exclusively in shadows. Mm -hmm. Um, But this also has one of my favourite lines, again from Doctor Who, um, which is, um, almost every species in the universe has an irrational fear of the dark, except they're wrong. It's not irrational. Um, Right? (laughs) Yes! 
<laughs> Such a great line. Uh, this is listed in um, in sort of canonical uh, lists of um, of best episodes, um, and uh, I. I, I vaguely remember it. I, this is this whole doing this whole thing is is really making me very much want to revisit um, all of them because I've seen you know of course I've seen every episode, but it's really making me want to go back through and um, yeah and 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 get some more who on because um, I I do I do sort of vaguely remember this one um, and and being introduced to the Vashna uh, thing <laughs> yeah. That's um, nice. Mm-hmm. And and anything that's to do with I think it's partly why the Weeping Angels was was so effective for me because it's anything to do with the dark. Yep, I've got I've got a, a not irrational fear of the dark. Uh yes. So this definitely would have um would have would have hit me where I live. I think to a degree. So yeah, it's just weird that it didn't stick in my brain. And I, I won't blame Donna Noble for that because I don't think it's fair. You'll be you'll be happy to know there's a point where Donna Noble kind of dies but doesn't really. Well, that doesn't make hate. me happy. I don't wish ill on the woman. <laughs> Um, I guess they do this literary device which by the way if you haven't watched any of these episodes yet why are you listening to this go and watch Doctor Who (laughs) oh I mean yeah it should be it should be without um, uh, controversy that we we say spoilers about Um, it's a a bit late now like 80% through our lists to be like oh by the way yeah don't come crying to us now Um, but yeah what, what basically happens is the doctor gets this message that's like um, zero people safe, two thousand people saved, and it's like a bit confusing. And and the whole twist is they've all been uploaded into a computer program. Um, but the doctor, not knowing that's what's happened, um, there are these like customer service bots that automat that have like a library of faces that are donated by people, and then the AI picks whichever face it thinks will comfort you most. Mm-hmm. Um, so it picks a face you it thinks you'll like, and so the doctor sends Donna back to the TARDIS that via like a teleport the teleport gets interrupted and she ends up being sent into the the computer database <laughs> instead it's it's on a, it's just a really weird <laughs> two-parter mm-hmm. um and basically the doctor goes up to one of the things and is like excuse me i haven't heard from my tardis did the teleport work and so the end of the first part of this two-parter is the, the customer service bot turning around um with donna's face and saying um uh... donna noble has left the library Donna Noble has been saved. Love it. Those moments when you're like, oh my God, it's a two-parter. You know, it's it's great. It's like, oh, this isn't going to be uh, resolved in the next five minutes. It's a two-parter. Here we go. That's, yeah, those are my, good. I think that's my favorite part of two-parters is not knowing they're two-parters. Yes. Because we had a season of two-parters. Uh, Peter Capaldi had like, it might not be in the full season, but he had like half a season where they were all two-parters. Um, and, and there was a three-parter in there as well, and that was quite exhausting. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. We got into the third episode, I'm like, I'm just done with this conflict at this point. Um, but when you go in, and I think it's about the halfway mark of the episode, where you kind of look at your watch and you go, wait, wait, a, we have... We have twenty minutes to solve this. I don't mm-hmm. think it's happening, guys. No, we're we're still setting things up here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that's yeah, that's that's a good pick. Uh, my 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 last one is part one of a two parter. Okay. Um, and I pick it for specific reasons, and um, I'm sort of I'm happy if this doesn't make the grade, but I, I it's 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 kind of one specific scene ugh, that creeped me the hell out. Um, so this is world enough and time. Uh, which is uh, series 10 episode 12 
Oh, interesting. Uh, so it's a Capaldi, Capaldi and uh, and Pearl Mackey, um, right right towards the end of of um, of Moffat's run, and it's so in this. Um, the 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 doctor um uh, and bill um are with uh missy uh, who's sort of been uh kind of a, a, an arc throughout this this series um and it's it's a, it's another in- introduction of the 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 cybermen uh and they uh they they hop aboard a ship that has a distress call uh, and they answer the the call and it kicks off um uh it, it kicks off a whole chain of events but it, essentially it's the one where well, the second episode, I believe, is the one in which Bill gets turned into into a Cyberman. Yeah, that, it's the, the it's the reveal yeah. at the end of the first part. There you go. Um, but the the bit in that episode, and I, I remember sat in my uh, in my living room uh, in June two thousand and seventeen, um, being thoroughly creeped out when she's walking through this sort of pseudo hospital, and she hears. Um, a bunch of voices uh, and all they're saying is pain, pain, pain. And she does, does a bloopy bloop on a machine or whatever. And they're just like pain, pain, pain. And it's, it, it just creeped me the hell out. This sort of almost zombie esque, like it's, it, it was, it was horrible. Um, and it was also when you look at them. So these are like proto Cybermen, um, which is, not unlike the possibly the very first iteration of them in the pre reboot, yeah, the preboot, if you will, which are these almost sock men. So uh, it's, the canon, as far as I'm aware, is they are the same Cybermen. They're like a they're like an offshoot. They're Mondasian Cybermen. There you and, go. Oh my god, I sound so geeky right now. Um, hey, I mean, you know, this is this is this is where to do it. Um, but I feel like, yeah, the Mondasian Cybermen have this great eeriness of like. The, they almost had to go back to basics with the Cybermen because they kind of ran out of places to go with them. Yeah. Um, Daleks have always thought that they're the supreme beings and have never needed to change and therefore have been the same since the Daleks were first introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Cybermen, very famously, are constantly upgrading. Yeah. Um, and so they have, there's like one of the episodes, uh, one of the Christmas specials, where they sneak up on the Doctor and he's like, oh, that's a bit sneaky, isn't it? What, have you activated the silence setting on your legs? <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> So yeah, um, it's and, just, and we ended up in a point where the Cybermen just weren't scary anymore. They were they were just generic aliens or generic monsters as opposed to actually impactful stuff. And so yes. that episode did a great job of sort of distilling what it was that made the Cybermen scary, and it wasn't the fact that they could run around very quickly and shoot lasers out of their hands. No, absolutely. I think for me, it's it's not. It's not the Cybermen themselves. It's what they do to human beings. It's the process of becoming a Cyberman. That's the thing that I find scary. Yeah. Um, and so that's why that reveal uh, t- at the end of that episode is so impactful because you've got that wonderful moment where she doesn't know she's a Cyberman. Yeah. And she doesn't know why Peter Capaldi's looking at her in in fear. Um, and I, 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 I sometimes I grok these things and sometimes I don't. And I, I'm really annoyed myself. I didn't clock it. Um and I really, I really should have. I, I kind of thought, well, I knew she'd been some part into the process, but I thought maybe it had been halted or whatever. Um, and I didn't realise she'd gone full Cyberman and she didn't know it. And then, you know, oh, God. But it's it's that whole process um, that 
of, of just what it means to have your consciousness just sort of over overridden and 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 how that feels and it's horrible the one thing i remember (laughs) about that episode is um just the absolute controversy about the bbc making a massive deal about john sim being back in the show Mm. um and that he would be in that Mm two-parter because because everyone was like oh it should be like a reveal and he should just like turn up as opposed to making a massive deal out of it and I went into that knowing that John Sim would turn up at some point. Yet somehow I like never mentally put together that John Sim was obviously like the master was obviously the guy spending the time with Bill for the entire episode. Like that's obviously just John Sim wearing a mask. But (laughs) but for whatever reason, it just never clicked in my head whilst watching it the first time. And I was genuinely surprised when he like pulls the mask off right at the end of the episode. (laughs) Like, oh, God damn it. How did I not realize this sooner? He was a great master. Um, and he he had like he had a couple of of really great episodes. That whole thing with the drumming, yes. Um, you know, and he's just drumming his fingers on there, and just what that meant—the constant drumming and like just how that drives a person insane. Like he was a great, yeah, he was a great master. And I think Michelle Gomez made a great Missy as mm. well. Mich- yes, she I did. feel like every episode with Michelle Gomez in overall tended to be incredible, mm-hmm. um, including the one scene where the Doctor steals Davros's wheelchair and then just randomly has a cup of tea in his hand. And it's the, the, my favourite fourth wall break ever, where a bunch of Daleks are shooting at him, there's this like explosion and whatever, and he's like holding this cup of tea, and he just looks at one of the Daleks, and obviously at us as the viewer, and just goes, mm-hmm. you may be wondering where I got this cup of tea. <laughs> and, and he just like shrugs off, like, basically, I'm the doctor, like, and just carries on with the episode, just like ignores it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um oh marvelous all right so what's your what's your what's, what's last on the list so what i mean I'm, you know not last on this but what you know what's what's your what's your number five yeah my, my number five i'm i'll be honest i am struggling mm. deeply with this because there are there mm. are so many great episodes mm-hmm. um and part of that's just the fact the show's run for like 55 years or whatever it is at this point yeah <laughs> um and I have like this mixture of like Dr. Light episodes, Dr. Heavy episodes, but I think the one for me, just because it was the one time that Doctor Who tried to to bring an alien back or do something with an alien and didn't screw it up entirely, (laughs) is Dalek. Mm -hmm. Um, So Dalek is the name of the the baddies, but it's also the name (laughs) of this episode. It is. Um, and I think what makes this so terrifying is that it's also singular. It's one Dalek, yeah. not a bunch of Daleks. Mm-hmm. And so basically what happens is we we have the Ninth Doctor and Rose Tyler. They turn up to, uh, I think it's in Texas, they're in America somewhere. And they're like yeah. 40 floors underground for some billionaire's like secret art collection, or uh, private art collection. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're walking around looking at w- what there is. And and they're all they're all sort of well and happy, and they get captured because they're in a muse- in a private art gallery, um, and they're like, oh, "What the hell are you guys doing here?" And at one point, the guy who owns it's something Van Staten, it was the most American name ever. Um, he realizes that the Doctor's an alien and might be able to, and because the Doctor recognizes the Daleks, he's like, "Ooh, maybe he can sort of figure something out with the Daleks." And so they put the Doctor in a room with the Daleks, and it's just like. Good luck, have fun. 
Um, and it's the first time in New Who that we see the Doctor be genuinely just full of rage. He is, as a character, someone who usually has quite a long can, like a long wick. Like you can, you can get on his nerves quite a bit. And there's a, a quote in human nature slash the family of blood. I'm pretty sure it's in family of blood, which is also my list. Um, where one of the, the, there's basically a monologue at the end explaining sort of what the doctor does with all of these aliens who he'd been hiding from. And they go, he wasn't running away because he was scared. He was running away so that he wouldn't have to defeat us basically. Like he was doing us a favor, but by not having to lock us up and throw us in a solar eclipse, uh, in a solar, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Um, in a supernova. There we go. Oh, okay. He, he like throws one of them into a supernova and traps one in every mirror in the universe, which is good fun. Yes. Um, I like but that. yeah, it's the first time we see the doctor be genuinely angry. Um, and it's precisely one Dalek. Um, and we see the power of the Daleks. And basically what happens is the Rose Tyler accidentally like touches it. She like trips. And again, you know, we have to yada yada our way through the plot somehow. Uh, wasn't it, wasn't it, um, didn't he communicate with her and was like, I, I, I want, I want you to, to touch me as it were. Um, I, I thought, I thought she did it on purpose. So, um, oh yes. I'm thinking of the, the Mickey episode where he trips and accidentally touches the Dalek. Yes. Uh, so what happens with Rose is, um, yeah. So Rose is then put into the room with the Dalek. Uh, Rose, yeah. Rose ends up in the room with a Dalek and she's like chatting with it. And the Dalek is like, doing its best to be like pity me basically mm-hmm. and so she puts her hand on it to comfort it and the residual time energy from traveling yeah, through time in a tardis yeah. heals the dalek sure whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> let's not worry about that yeah and then it sticks his plunger in a computer and downloads the internet <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah it, and and i think it was a, it was a really smart episode in that like uh, this was one of the very few that I didn't watch in line um because it was just pre DVR well yeah it was it was a couple of years like pre DVRs yeah um and so you missed it you missed it um there, there, there were no I play a lot um and so I missed it that that was the one that I you know I, I had to go and be a human being on a Saturday night and go out and stuff um and so I, I ended up watching it like a year or so later and uh, I'm you know glad I did because obviously what I ended up seeing was the fallout from that but it was like a great because we're all we're all thinking oh it's it's, it's Doctor Who reboot are they going to do Daleks are they is it going to be silly are they going to be able to climb stairs and all these th- all these jokes that that we've we've grown up with um certainly people in my generation um and like and and they did it and it was it was scary and that's how you need to treat the Daleks is, you know, if you're going to introduce them, we have got to be unexpectedly scared of them. And it's also the exact opposite of the New Year special we got. Yeah. Which also had one Dalek, but was just not good <laughs> in any way. <laughs> <laughs> the pacing was ever, there was a, there was a random car chase that happens at one point in that episode. Mm. Uh, it, because why not? Because why not? Obviously. Um, uh, yeah, and it was a really great. I, I think that episode does a really good job of showing us where Doctor Who has been sort of failing recently. 
So just before we uh, get on with the episode, I should just let you know that uh, uh, this does contain some spoilers. Um, you know, I mean, I, I could have mentioned that at the beginning, but hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to a retrospective episode of of um, talking about Doctor Who, then probably you would want to do that if you had watched said episodes. Anyway, you get it; it's fine. So this is uh, this is George uh, Chechenidze, and we'll find out a little bit more about uh, what he's up to in a bit. Uh, there's also some offcuts, which uh, that sounded. Um, I sounded disrespectful, but that you know there are some bits that that would have been um, too long to include in the uh, in the podcast otherwise, because uh, because because of reasons. Um, so you'll find those um, in our in our members feed, and the the, the best way to find all about uh, that is to get signed up for our newsletter, um, and you can do that by following the link in your show notes or going to um, listenvpod.com and uh, following links there. Um, get signed up because every week uh, there is stuff. In there that you won't get on the podcast. There's links to extra things. Um, some in some cases, like uh, this week, it is a Christmas playlist made of uh, all of the songs that we discussed uh, last week with myself and Daz. Um, and uh, there's you know so there's nice things like that. And then if you if you do want to help the show out, then you can do so. You can um, give us. Uh, a couple of pound a month, which is not a lot of money, uh, to help us get episodes of this podcast transcribed so they're more accessible and uh, and everybody can um, can join in. Uh, so that's that. Um, so yeah, that, that that's the admin uh, listenvpod.com, um, listenvpod on Twitter and Facebook, and listenv on uh, Instagram. And if you want to say hello, you can email listenv at gmail.com. And finally, next week. Uh, we begin getting um, getting Christmas special. We're going to make Christmas special again uh, with uh, with with an exciting avant garde episode, which I have definitely recorded and can tell you was brilliant. I've, I've it's all sorted and done and everything. I'm I'm not just assuming that it's going to be great, mm. uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, that's going to be tons of fun. Um, this is two days before the election. Uh, if you are in the UK, for the love of Everything that is holy, please go out and vote, and please go out and vote Labour, because we can't have another 10 years of cruel austerity. Uh, That is all I'll say about that. Socialism's coming. And um, let us go back to uh, our discussion with myself and George Chechenidze, wrapping up our top five Doctor Who episodes. See, I've finished my list. You finished your five. Um, We will talk about more, because uh, we we need to go into honourable mentions. Um... But before we do that, George, we've got a job to do. Let's put them together. Yeah. Now, I, I feel quite strongly that, that Blink has got to be number one. I mean, we both chose it. Yeah. Um, and it is canonically decided by so many people as being the best who. Um, and I have no problem sort of, um, yeah, you know, tagging along with, with what other people think. Um, I think Dalek was was a contender for my list. Um, so I'd like to put that somewhere. I would really like to put Hellbent in there somewhere. I think, um, but I've I've got to make a case for. I think if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make a big if I'm gonna make a big case for something that I really think needs to go in, then I do want to put the Impossible Planet in there. I am completely in agreement with you. I think the, the two parts are overall, but specifically the Impossible Planet. Is is it's an amazing show of the doctor and the companion also caring for each other and understanding. It it's it's a great Doctor Who episode as a whole, as well as in the context of that season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, 
Here's my proposal. Okay. And see what you think about this. Uh, from five, I've gone Impossible Planet, Hellbent, Dalek, si- uh, Silence in the Library, and then Blink. I would swap three and four, but otherwise I'm happy with that. I think that is a good move. Uh, so yeah, number four, Dalek, and number three is Hellbent. Yeah. That is uh, that is that's a fine list. So um, I think I think we we, we both consent to this list, uh, which uh, which means we have an accord. Whoop, whoop. And from from that we can now um, unburden ourselves of um, uh, divest ourselves of the burden of the of the honourable mentions. So what else did you really want to um, want to get? So in and, I want to quickly about? talk about because um, the one you may have noticed the one doctor we didn't mention um, is the most recent one <laughs> in, yeah. in Jodie Whittaker, um, yeah. and I feel like the season as a whole was average it wasn't there wasn't anything amazing but there were a couple of episodes that were a bit terrible but the season as a whole was okay however and i think this 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 is my favorite episode of a season more because of the premise as opposed to the actual episode itself um it's kablam ah yes which is the episode set on a planet that's just an amazon warehouse (laughs) (laughs) but it's called kablam um Mm Um, and what I really like about that episode is how the Doctor almost works against herself, because mm. the whole basic I should probably run through the synopsis of this episode. Um, the Doctor ordered a fez a very long time ago while she was still busy being Matt Smith, um, <laughs> and the fez turns up, and they're you know open up. Doctor tries on the fez and like, oh my god, is it still my style? Um, and one of the twelve companions she has now um, <laughs> in this very tiny TARDIS um, mm-hmm. sort of pulls out a card, and on the back of a card it says, "Help me." Um, so they go, someone's in trouble. We need to go to Kablam headquarters and figure out what the hell's going on. Um, except it's mostly run by robots um, and a few humans. I think it's like. 10% human or whatever their like fake quota was in the future um, so that AI don't take all of our jobs only most of them <laughs> and basically the whole thing is who is and actually this also contains this episode contains Lee Mac and it is my favourite like 8 minutes of a character we've ever gotten mm. um, Lee Mac as a character was just amazing. Uh, he has one of the sharpest wits in TV comedy at the moment, right now. Just overall, um, he's just he's 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 a quick he's a quick joke machine. He is amazing, and especially watching Would I Lie to You, uh, mm-hmm. he is just hilarious. Um, and so we get a bit of Lee Mac, which is great. And based the, the assumption going into this episode is that someone is or the, the big AI controlling this warehouse is making the humans disappear because humans have been disappearing. Um, and it turns out that what's actually happening is one of these people is trying to hijack the AI so that they can kill a bunch of people and then it's blamed on the AI and the AI is the thing that called the doctor and it becomes a bit confusing. Um, but it's it's one of these episodes where at the start when I mentioned sort of old Doctor Who having bubble wrap monsters it being quite charming um, there's the exact opposite in this episode where there's, an, uh, there's a scene where they're basically on a bunch of conveyor belts um, and the one they're on obviously looks reasonable because it's probably an actual conveyor belt but the, the room itself 
looks terrible um mm. and, and the cgi is just atrocious um and in a season which tried so hard to up its production quality and did a great job of it overall that one scene really stands out as looking just ridiculously bad i so i have a confession and and i'm not proud of it um and i, I don't entirely know the reason it's got nothing to do with um with Jodie Whittaker uh, or or it being a female doctor but this is the only season uh, series that I have not consistently watched I've only watched I think three episodes um and, and the Christmas special I think during the 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 weekends when it was on um I just don't remember having any mental space for it um I couldn't get into the mindset of because I, I, it was a thing that I really looked forward to, to watching and I was looking forward to Jodie Whittaker so I know it's not to do with um, oh he's not my doctor it's nothing to do with that just time and circumstance and I'm really glad that it's still available on iPlayer uh, as as are all the seasons because I really do want to sit back and and um, and go through what I've missed because the ones I have seen I've largely enjoyed and I I was really ready to vehemently dislike Bradley Walsh in this. Yeah. I still don't think he needed to be in there. I don't think he's got a place in there. I think sticking to the chase is probably a better move. But I didn't hate him in in that show. Like I I I had less of a problem with him than I did with Catherine Tate's character. So, you know. <laughs> and I was I was much more ready to dislike him. So, yeah. I I I'm I I'm ready to to properly um Probably give it another go. Having watched the entire series as well, I would argue that Bradley Walsh is actually the best of the three companions as well. Yeah, um, yeah, he he grows. He has an arc. Yeah, doesn't yeah, he, he has really? an actual arc, which is always yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a good pick. Um, one that uh, makes a, a a few lists um, is is a, a two parter from the first series, um, and I, I'm going to probably get the name wrong, um, but it's it's, it's uh, the Empty Child. Is, Are you is my the, mummy? The and then. Yeah, <laughs> that episode terrifies me to this day. To be fair, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, Repet- those kinds of repetition things. Like, um, yeah, that was that was great. Uh, a weird, I mean, a weird one to have Victor Meldrew in. Um, but he was he he did he did a really good job. Um, you're too young to remember. That's fine. Um, uh, but it was and it, yeah, a, a good two parter. We find that it's nanobots that are trying to repair. Um, humans, but they're building it in an, in an image that's based on having seen a boy with a gas mask, and and yeah, um, and uh, my I, guy I was working with at the time, who was a big Who nerd, because um, I I really liked the line that Eccleston says towards the end of the episode, where it's like, and for once, everybody lives, yeah. and then like the guy at work was like, yeah, in the middle of the Blitz time in the Second World War, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's yeah, a, yeah. there's okay. you know it's <laughs> sure. That's fine. That's all right, Russell T. Davis. You can have that one. Although, no, that wasn't. I think that was a Moffat because um, most uh, most of the creepy ones uh, tend to be Moffat ones. Well, before we um, before we think about wrapping up, then is is there any more that you uh, you want to get off your chest? Um, I'm like, uh, let's go for. I, I have two or three more. Um, okay, and I guess just really quickly, the eleventh hour was probably the best new Doctor episode where like they introduced the Doctor. Um, so I, I want to mention that one. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't suggest people who've never seen Doctor Who before watch that episode first or watch 
any episode where the Doctor is being introduced first because the Doctor as a character is still half-baked because that's the point of that episode. Um, so yeah. if you've never seen an episode of Doctor Who before, start at either the beginning or um, uh, Mummy or- on the Orient Express. Um, which oh, is yeah. also, it, I feel like that episode is a really good way of introducing someone to Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great episode. It didn't make my list. It's a very good episode, but as for the purpose of introducing someone to Doctor Who, I'd argue that it's the best episode. Um, and then Empty Do- Child slash Doctor Dances. And then the human nature slash family of blood is the, oh, yeah. the two parts of it I kind of casually mentioned um, mm-hmm. with the quote at the end. Um, that was another two parts which almost entirely hinges on Martha Jones and not the Doctor. This oh, oh well God, I'm I'm properly ready to go and watch some watch some Who again. Um this is this has been marvellous. Um I what are you up to at the moment? Are you still uh are you still trying to live life without a smartphone? I am, yeah. I actually um I now have four months to go. Um it has been incredible. It started off extremely tough, um, as any kind of massive change on that scale does. Um and uh, the first couple of weeks were just intense. Um, however, uh, I adapted to it as humans are prone to do. And as, a, as Doctor Who would tell you, humans can adapt to almost literally anything because somehow humans are everywhere all the time whenever we need them to be. Uh, yeah. And in the Doctor Who world, humans are brilliant, yeah. uh, which is not common among sci fi, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and hilariously, other people have had a bigger issue with it at this point than I have. Oh. Um, because so, like, I had this the other day, like I was in a shop and I was talking to my mum and she was like, can you take a picture of it and send it to me on Facebook? And I was like, uh, ah, no, I can't. Can't. <laughs> that is, that's, that's wonderful. And you're, you're chronicling this, this journey on your, on your YouTube channel. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. Um, if you want to find out more, the best way to do it is to go to gofundme.com slash phoneless. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I need to double check that link. Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, no, it's smartphoneless. Um, GoFundMe.com forward slash smartphoneless. Um, well, listen, uh, George, this has been um, a- an absolute pleasure, and uh, and I want to thank you very much for um, for helping reignite my um, my who love. The pleasure has been all mine, and I just want to say before we wrap this up, um, <laughs> thank you for giving me an excuse to watch Doctor Who. Like, yeah. not, not that I needed one. No, no. Um, but but occasionally I get funny looks from my parents being like, haven't you seen this like a million times? <laughs> and I had the excuse of like, oh, no, no, it's it's homework for a podcast I'm filming. I, I'm providing a public service. That's what I'm doing. Chachanidze. Chachanidze. It's Chachanidze. I, I mean, I could go back and re-record everything with me saying George Chachanidze. Um, but instead, I'll, I'll give you these bits now, and then you can retrospectively, as the listener, go back and just assume that I got it right the last time. So, chachanite, chachanite, chachanite. <laughs>